As we walk out the journey of life, we each begin to thirst for something more. We want more than just life the way we know it. It's a thirst for more peace, more fulfillment, more purpose. That was God's plan all along. Since the ancient times, he has made promises that he will quench that thirst. And the promises he made long ago are the same promises he has made for us today. Uh, if this is your first time here to Greenville First, we just want to say welcome. My name is Josh. I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, we are excited about what God is doing here at Greenville First. And, uh, and so we're just glad that you're with us today. If Greenville First has been home for a long time, uh, you will know the Sisk family. And we would ask that uh, you would remember them in your prayers. Uh, Brother Sisk went to be with the Lord on Thursday evening. And uh, they will be receiving friends this Tuesday from 4 to 6 at Dillard Funeral Home. I believe that's an Easley. And then the funeral will be this Wednesday at 1 p.m. And uh, if you'll just keep them in your prayer during this time. Uh, we are in the middle of, well, not the middle. We're at the, at the end of a series called Four Cups. And uh, this has just been a, a great series that that I've loved just kind of digging in and, uh, and exploring this idea, these four cups, these four promises that God gave uh, to the Israelites so long ago. And they are celebrated in Passover every year. Uh, but I believe that they are promises not just for the Israelites of then, but also for us today. And so I just want to kind of catch you up in case you've, you've, you've missed uh, the, the past few weeks. But the first week, we talked about the first cup in the Passover, which is uh, the cup of sanctification. And uh, sanctification, I know, can be this big churchy word, uh, but really it just, it, it's salvation. It's the idea that God set us apart for a special purpose and that we can embrace Jesus as our Savior is the step one in this process of fulfilling these promises. Uh, the second cup was the cup of deliverance, uh, and that is God did not just uh, intend us to be set apart but he wants to, to take us out of slavery and take the slavery out of us. And so we've got to be able to walk in this freedom. And then last week, we talked about the cup of redemption, which means that God has redeemed us. That our purpose in life may, may we may be walking out one purpose, but God's got a greater purpose for our life. Uh, and, and then today, we're going to wrap up and we're going to talk about the cup of praise. And so our text uh, for this series, and if you've been here for Four weeks in a row now, you've, you've probably memorized this text, but we're going we're gonna to read it one more time, and it's found in Exodus chapter 6, starting in verse 6, and this is God speaking to Moses, giving him the command uh, for these promises, and it says this, Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will, see these are these I will statements, bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will save you. I will free you from being slaves to them. Deliverance. And I will redeem you, the cup of redemption, with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. And verse 7, this is, this is the, the, the fourth and the final I will. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And so we see these I will promises that God has given. And all of these promises 
they, they are really the instruction and the promises for how we can live a fulfilled life. God created each of us to live a fulfilled life, a full and a filled life, fulfilled life. And uh, yet many of us, if we were really honest with ourselves today, if we really looked, am I living a fulfilled life, most of us in the room would be guilty of falling short of that fulfilled life. We're just not completely hitting on 100%. We're not completely living that, that full and that filled life that God has intended for us to live. And so if we're not living a fulfilled life, then we're living short of what God intended for us. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to leave anything on the table that God has for me. If God created me with a purpose, if God created me to be free from captivity, I want to walk in that. God's redeemed me with a special purpose for my life. I want to walk in that. Am I, the, am I the only one in the room that wants to live a fulfilled life? Because God has this fulfilled life that He intends for all of us to live. It doesn't matter what you walked in here with. It doesn't matter the past mistakes. It doesn't matter what yesterday looked like or this morning looked like. God still intends for us to live a fulfilled life. But just as God has a plan for your life, so does the enemy. John 10.10 says this, The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give life in all its fullness. The enemy has a plan for your life. It's to steal your life. It's to steal your promise. It's to steal the future that God has intended for you. The enemy has an intent for your life to kill everything that God wants to bring your way. To destroy everything that God has rightfully created and purposed you for. The enemy wants to take all these things away, but I love this this second piece. It's not just, I, I think in Scripture... We're just trying to get this warning that, hey, God doesn't just have a plan for your life. The enemy wants to do something with your life as well. But God intends for your life to be full. He wants to give you life in all its fullness. But if God intends to give us a full life, why do we mess it up? (laughs) Why can't we grab it? See, this is probably an uncomfortable topic for a lot of us in the room because there's a lot of us that just aren't hitting all of our cylinders right now. Why why is it that we just keep going in life and we know a cylinder's out or two cylinders are out and we're just still trucking along? We, We hear our engines not firing on all cylinders. We know every day when we get up to crank our car, it's sputtering. But we don't go to the mechanic to figure out what's going on under the hood. We just keep trying to operate. As long as our vehicle will get us from point A to point B, I'm okay. But God did not create your engine to be misfiring. God did not create your engine to be running at less than its full capacity. God intends for us to live with this fullness, but so many of us, we struggle with it. And I believe there's a a few things, and, and we kind of have three points today and then another three points, but we'll get through the first three uh, real quick. And these first three are three things I believe that keep us from living our purpose and our life to to its fullest. 
And the first is this, is that we let our past cripple us. We let our past cripple us. See, cup two, Pastor Jimmy talked about us struggling with our yesterdays when when he was talking about us embracing freedom. Most of us, we can never drink from this cup of praise because we're still stuck on cup two. We're allowing our past to cripple us. We're allowing a bad relationship, maybe family issues, maybe some job mistakes that we've made. Maybe maybe there's some sin, some struggles that we're just still walking in in our life and we can't get past cup two and we're allowing our past to cripple us for moving forward. God didn't intend for us to stop at cup two. God's got two more promises. We're only halfway there. God intends for us to move past our yesterdays. Psalm 38, verse 4 and verse 6. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. I am bowed down and brought low. Our guilt will bring us down and keep us low. God did not intend for us to stay low. God wants to bring us up and the enemy wants to bring you low. If you haven't figured that out, maybe you're not leaving your house. Or maybe you've been in your house, or, or maybe you're not at home. Because some of you, you feel you, like you're bringing, being brought low when you go home, or when you go to the workplace, or wherever. The enemy is trying to bring you down, and God's trying to lift us up. God wants us to move past our past. He wants us to find freedom from our yesterdays. But we'll never see our future until we settle our past. Church, all we have to do is confess it, That's it. Confess it. Be prayed for. And then we find freedom in relationships. Why do we encourage and why are we pushing small groups so much? Because you know how you get past the crippling of yesterday? is with other people. I believe salvation is found at the altar in exchange with Jesus. I believe freedom is found in relationship with other people. Why? Because there are people that have walked through what you've walked through. There are people that have struggled with what you struggle with. There are people that maybe just can encourage you and be the push to get you out from where you are to where God wants you to be. But you can't do it by yourself. Freedom is found in relationships. Sign up for a small group. Life change happens in relationship. Number two, the thing that keeps us from drinking this fourth cup and embracing a life of fullness is we let culture define us. We let culture define us. This is a a cup three problem. See, cup three was all about our purpose that God has created us for, but culture is trying to redefine and relabel our purpose. See, culture will tell you everything is about climbing the ladder. Everything is about your influence and your platform and what you have. I can point you to a lot of people who have climbed that ladder only to get to the top and realize it's very lonely up there and that money is not going to fix everything that they need in their life. Relationship won't fix everything you need in your life. We allow culture to begin to dictate and define what our life of fulfillment should look like. And we miss out on living this fullness that God intends for us. See, we have to begin to ask this question, are we living out God's playbook? There's a playbook for all of us. There's a game plan for our life. Are we 
running God's plays for our life or are we running someone else's? We're either running the enemy's plan for our life or we're running a counterfeit plan for our life or we're running God's plan for our life. I can tell you, most of us in the room would always say, well, I want to run God's plan. But we're allowing culture to rob us from running God's plan. God has a purpose. God has a plan. God has the playbook for your life. Just many of us, we struggle with moving past what culture would define. We let substitutes and counterfeits and Satan's plan define us. We care more about what people think than what God thinks. When we begin to ask that question, God, what do you have for my life? It may be an uncomfortable answer. Everything we've worked for, everything we've, we've put in the years, we've put in the time, we've put in the education, yet God's calling you to do something that means sacrificing all of that. That's a hard spot to be in. To say, God, I care more about what you think and you dream for my life than what the world would deem is appropriate or successful. God's idea of success is much different than the world's idea of success. And when we begin to understand that, we can begin to walk in this life of fulfillment and fullness that God has intended. Galatians 1.10 says this, Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. Find out what God thinks about your life. He created you and He alone knows. And then number three is this. This is, this is key and it keeps us, I believe, from, from living this life of, of fullness and fulfillment. Is we try and do it alone. We try and do this all by ourselves. Now here's my question. Why would we try and do it alone? Because for a lot of us, we've tried to do it with people and they're a pain. Why do we try and do this thing by ourselves? Because when we work with people, it stinks. <laughs> Tell me you like everybody at your job. Tell me you, you love spending time with every member of your family. Amen. You know? <laughs> people are a pain. If you don't believe me, I'm going to give you access to my email box. Or No, I'm just kidding. Y'all have been great. Y'all have been great. People, it's difficult to interact with people and deal with people. I am one. I'm guilty. I'm going to have a confession here just for a moment. I would rather do it myself because I know it's going to be done the way I want it done. Anybody else in the room that way? You have a hard time releasing. You have a hard time working with other people because you think you can do it better yourself. But God never intended for it to be that way. See, the devil's plan. You think that failed relationship was just a failed marriage? The enemy wanted to create a distrust in all of your relationships, and he started in your home. You think that best friend that you just relied on and trusted in and all of that and, it, and they shattered your dreams and they stabbed you in the back and they, 
You think that was just an, an attack on that relationship? No, the enemy wants you to lack trust in people in general. The enemy would want you to think that you can do this all by yourself. Why? Because the moment we begin to do something together, when we begin to join hands and say, hey, we're all in this together, we're headed in the same direction because God's given us a purpose and I'm not doing this by myself. We're going to do it as a church. We're going to do it as a family. All of a sudden, we become a force to be reckoned with. We begin to step in the fullness of what God has created and purposed us to do. But when we try and do it by ourselves, we're always going to come short. Why do you think the church is, is described so many times in group terms? We're the family of God. Part of a fellowship of believers. The body of Christ with many parts. It's not by accident that Scripture identifies the church as a group. Why? Because God didn't intend for us to be the church by ourselves. We can't fulfill everything He has by ourselves. Whether we're a pastor, whether we're a deacon, a board member, whether we're a small group leader, whether we're a nursery volunteer, it doesn't matter. You can't do everything by yourself. Do you know what church would look like? Nobody would be here if I was having to lead worship and run nursery at the same time and then preach. Just leading worship, nobody would be here, you know? Thank you. <laughs> Why? We weren't, we weren't created to do this by ourselves. There's a value in the community of believers. See, Ecclesiastes 4.8 says, There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. And there was no end to his toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. He could have all the wealth in the world, but the fact that he didn't have anybody else, he could never drink from the fourth cup. See, this cup of praise, this fourth cup, and doing some research, one, one author said it's called the cup of praise because it's the fourth cup of wine in the Passover celebration. <laughs> There's probably a little bit of praise going on by then, but uh, you know, it's, if you look at Exodus 6, verse 7, God says, I will take you as my own people. People. Not individual, not person. People. And I will be your God. The God of all of you. You will be my people. We can't do this by ourselves, church. Amen. Yet so many times we try to. We do it all by ourselves. See, this cup of praise, the Jewish people actually call this the Hallel. Hallel and, I, and I'm, I'm glad I'm getting a nod from Brother David over here, means to celebrate. This is the cup of celebration. Many of you probably have, have heard this phrase, hallelujah. Okay? Celebration of our God. There's purpose behind this. It's not just something we say in church. There's history behind it. This is the Hallel, the praise, the celebration of our God. But when we try and do it by ourselves, we can't fully praise our God. When we allow our yesterdays to cripple us, we can't fully praise our God. When we allow culture to define us instead of God to define us, we can't fully praise our God. God didn't intend for us to stop at the third cup. God wants us to drink of this fourth cup. This cup of praise. And how do we do that? 
See, regardless of our yesterdays, regardless of what our life may have looked like, God still has a promise for a full Hallel, a celebratory, a celebration life. God wants your life to be a party. And we do that together. I will take you as my own people. God's final promise. I love this. See, ultimate fulfillment comes when we're a part of a team. Most of you are probably familiar with or you've heard of Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. And these needs, he started, I believe, with four or five uh, initially. I believe it's five. And it's this motivational theory that this theory is, these are the needs that motivate people to action. And he stated that people were seeking fulfillment from both, both most basic of needs to doing all they're capable of. And so the, the list has been a little revised but there are eight needs that we have in our life. And I'm just going to give you kind of some background because I think it, it really helps us to understand what this cup of praise and fulfillment really brings to our life. Eight needs. Number one is physical needs. Physical needs. Air, food, shelter, warmth, water, sleep. Some of you are like, yes, I need more sleep. We have physical needs. We have safety needs. Need number two, safety needs. Protection from the elements. Security. Order, law, limits, stability. We all have those needs in our life. We have love needs. The need to belong, family, affection, relationships. We have esteem needs. Self-esteem, achievement, recognition, to be complimented. We have cognitive needs. We have needs of, of knowledge and a need to understand or know and, and, and grasp. Aesthetic needs. We have needs in our life for things to be beautiful, things to, to look neat and orderly. And some, your needs in this area are greater than others. You know, you're like, I know my husband. He does not, you know. I'm thinking, Brittany's like, no, he has a trail everywhere he goes. Even in my office, trails. It's in a beautiful arrangement. I'm just, I think, abstract, outside the box. Self-actualization needs. Realizing the personal potential, the self-fulfillment, being the best we can. This drives us to competition. This is why we love college football. We love sports and athletics because there's this drive in us, this self-actualization. And then the, the last is transcendence. The greatest need in a person's life is when we look beyond our needs and we begin to help others. See, real joy does not come from making a lot of money. Although you may think that, just try it. Give it a try. Make all the money you want. Just please, just give. <laughs> and then when you come up empty, we'll walk you through that process. Real joy doesn't come from having all the pleasures in the world. Real joy doesn't come from having things. Real joy comes from knowing that my life is productive and my life is making a difference for eternity. Yeah. When we begin to live that, 
And God will bring things our way, and God will bring finances our way. I'm not saying that you can't have those things and live a fulfilled life, but if that takes the priority in your pyramid of of needs in your life, you're always going to fall short. You're always going to feel unfulfilled. But the real joy comes from knowing that my life is productive and it's making a difference. See, ultimately, the fourth cup is about doing life beyond ourself. And it's only possible when we're serving an extraordinary God. Ultimate fulfillment comes when we begin to to join a team, when we begin to be a part of a life-giving church that we're praying and, and hoping will continue to grow. Why? Because there's this need in all of us to serve a greater mission than our own. And when we begin to tap into that, we begin to live a full life. And the results are exponential. But there are three things, I believe, that, that in, in drinking this cup of fulfillment that we need to understand. And the first is this. Ultimate fulfillment begins with your divine calling. Ultimate fulfillment begins with your divine calling. Can we say this together? I, I, I just want us to say this simple phrase together. I am called. Can we do that together? I am called. I think for so many of us in the room, we define a calling to a pulpit. I know when I was growing up, I, and, and it was from my perspective, I just felt like once I was called to be a pastor, that now I've received the calling. Church, can I tell you, all of us have received a calling. Every one of us. There is no calling greater than another. It may look different But we all have this calling. You know why? Because God called us when we were in bondage and slavery to walk in a relationship with Him, to experience freedom with Him, to experience redemption with Him, to experience this cup of praise and fulfillment that is serving a purpose greater than our own. We all share in this calling. But many of us, when we don't recognize that we have a divine calling, we can't experience the ultimate fulfillment. So we have to grab hold of this idea that ultimate fulfillment begins with our divine calling. 2 Timothy 1.9 says this in the message version. God saved us and then called us to this holy work. We had nothing to do with it. It was all His idea. A gift prepared for us in Jesus long before we knew anything about it. Our calling is what inspires us, and we had nothing to do with it. It's all God. God's placed the calling on our life. It's just whether we're going to embrace it. There's a divine call on each of our lives. For some of you, you're starting to walk in it already. You're starting to taste of what that fulfillment looks like. And here's what happens. The moment... I mean, we can talk, let's talk about portion control just for a second. I, you could put a 50-ounce steak, I mean, just cooked a perfect medium rare, I mean, bone-in ribeye, what, whatever your steak is. This isn't even in my notes. The Holy Spirit's just speaking right now. <laughs> I got to go to this small group meeting today, and I'm not going to get this for lunch. But the, whatever size steak you want, I could come in with the intent, well, I'm just going to take a few bites of it. I'm just going to taste it. But don't you know when, when there's something fulfilling about what you are partaking, it's hard to stop. You take those first couple of bites, 
and then you want to take a few more. When we begin to embrace our divine calling, you may just take a few bites at first, but all of a sudden you realize that the fulfillment you have internally is a lot better eating that steak than it is eating the whatever, broccoli. <laughs> whatever comes to mind. I actually like broccoli, but you know, I'm always going to eat the steak over my broccoli. Amen. Always. And if you don't, you're either a vegetarian or you're lying, okay? We still love you either way. But once, once we began to eat, once we began to, to embrace this fulfillment, it begins to grow in us. We want more of it. God, if you've got a divine calling for my life, I'm, I'm tired of just tiptoeing in the shallow end. I'm ready to jump in the deep end. Because you can only do so much in the shallow end. And I love being in the shallow end with my kids. But there's something crazy when I'm jumping in the deep end and their faces are lighting up because it's a whole new world. We'll never experience that. If I try and jump in the shallow end with my kids, we're all going to get hurt. <laughs> when you're trying to, to live your life in, in the fullness and fulfillment, and you're trying to do it in the shallow end, God's calling you to a deeper place. He's calling you to a greater level of fulfillment. But we have to embrace His divine call upon our life. And here's the calling, a simple statement. I want to make a difference. I want to make a difference. So you've got to know why. People lose their way when they lose their why. Chew on that one for a second. People lose their way when they lose their why. If you cannot articulate, if you cannot speak to the calling that God's placed on your life, no wonder you're wandering. No wonder you can't find your way because you've lost your why. God has put us all on this earth to make a difference. Your calling vocationally may look different than mine. May look different than your neighbor's. The calling we all share, the divine calling from the Lord, is that we were called to be on this earth to make a difference. We all share in this. And ultimate fulfillment begins. Number two is this. Is that God's calling must stand on a cause. God's calling must stand on a cause. See, cup four isn't about climbing mountains. And if that's your cup of tea, great. Just please never invite me. Just don't, God did not create me with a, with, a, with a shape to climb mountains, okay? So if he did you, awesome. Send me pictures and I'll celebrate. It's not about writing bestsellers. It's not about writing new songs. It's not about getting that job that you've always dreamed or, or building that house or driving that car that you've always wanted and craved. It's not about that. That's not what Cup 4 is about. Cup 4 is about doing something that makes a difference. And that difference has got to be connected to an eternal difference. A cause that counts. Acts 20 verse 24 says this, But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. See, making a difference must be centered on a cause. If we're just trying to make a difference, we'll still be wandering. I want to make a difference. I'm going to run in this direction. I want to make a difference. I'm going to run in this direction. We've got to begin to establish the cause of which we see to make a difference. 
Because there is a higher calling and there's also an eternal cause. And here's the cause. Doing something that makes a difference. I want to make a difference doing something that makes a difference. Our cause is to serve the One who saves us. Our cause is to be focused on what He is focused on. Our cause is for people. Our cause is to see lives changed. There's two things that make a difference. People and heaven. An eternal mindset. And then the third and final point this morning is this, is that making a difference is best experienced together. You have to realize, I can't do it alone. And it's no fun to do it by yourself anyways. People may be a a pain, but I know if you wanted a birthday party thrown in your honor, you don't want to do it by yourself. Am I right? You get married, you just want nobody to show up. If there's a party taking place, if there's a celebration taking place, it's no fun to do it by ourselves. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says this, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. See, cup four says this, I want to make a difference doing something that makes a difference with people who want to make a a difference. John 15, verse 8 and 11. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. God intends for us to do this together. Church, I can only do so much by myself. You can only do so much by yourself. We as a church would look a lot different if it was just one of us, if it was just two of us, if it was just three of us. But look around right now. Look around at the people who are in this room. Do you realize there's other people that are making this church happen, church service happen right now? If you're a parent of kids, are you worried if your kids are like just roaming the hallways? I think I saw my son just, no, I'm just kidding. We'd know if he escaped. He'd be right here. And he probably is trying, but no, I'm just kidding. But we have people who are making a difference right now with people who are making a difference. We can't do this by ourselves. For us to drink this fourth cup of praise, you think about this progression, and we're... I'm excited for next Sunday's Vision Sunday, and I'm excited about Vision Sunday. You do not want to miss. If you know people who who haven't been here, you want to get them here. Because God's given us a vision, and these cups are going to be so important. We're We're going to turn some light switches on next week. But I believe that God's calling us to be a church that makes a difference, doing something that makes a difference. Pastor Jimmy and I had lunch with... uh, a lady from Habitat for Humanity right here in Greenville this past week. And we're going to partner as a church and, and we're going to be a part of, of helping a ministry that is helping the housing crisis for low-income families. We don't need to create something that's already been created. God has 
a divine calling on an organization that's doing something to make a difference in our community. If Habitat closed their doors tomorrow, people would be saddened. If Greenville First closed its doors tomorrow, what's the effect on our city? What's the effect on our families? Church, if we're not making a difference, why do we exist? We can drink this cup of salvation. We can find freedom. We can begin to discover purpose, but if we don't live that purpose out, what good are we? A few of you, okay. Awesome. Church, we weren't just created to occupy a seat on a Sunday morning. And excuse me for being so direct, but if that's what you're looking for, this is not the place for you. Because God has given us a divine calling. Something that we are very passionate about. We'll help you get there. You don't have to be there today. You just got to be willing to go on the ride. Because the ride God's taking us on is going to be a fun one. And when we step from this side of eternity to the other, the celebration is going to be a big one. Because we believe that God has, has called us to make a difference. I, I just want to connect these, the, these dots just for a second in, in closing today. But from the time of Moses, even until now, the Jewish people have celebrated Passover. And the celebration is called a Seder, which means order. There is an order to this celebration. There are 14 steps to this celebration. I mean, very detailed. Step one begins with the first cup. Then there's the breaking the bread and reading a scripture. It just goes down. Now, I want to read this, this scripture. And, and, and it was an aha moment for me when, it, when, when I read this. Matthew 26, verse 26 through 29. says this, While they were eating... Jesus took bread, which means they'd already had the first cup. This is Passover. They're going through the order. He gave thanks and broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks and offered it to them saying, Drink from it, all of you. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. Jesus, by this point, church, this is cup number three. Because cup number four is not drank until the dinner is over. At the end, that's the last. Luke 22 adds this detail in that the, the, the cup was, was drank right after supper, but the cup four had not been partaken of. Jesus never drank the fourth cup because He intends to drink that fourth cup with us in eternity. Jesus says, the fulfillment of your life, the fullness of your life, will not come until you step from this side of eternity to the other. What a powerful statement. Hidden in Scripture. Hidden in the fact that the history, the tradition of Passover, yet Jesus paused with the disciples right so clearly, and He said, I will not partake of this fourth cup, this cup of praise, this cup of fulfillment, this cup of celebration until you are with me in eternity. Because I'm giving my life so that you can experience salvation. I'm giving my life so that you can experience freedom. I'm giving my life because there is a purpose for your life 
to make a difference. And when you step from this eternity, this side, to being with me in heaven, we will partake in this cup of celebration and this cup of praise. But there's only one way for us to do that, and that's for him to be the Lord of our life. And so maybe you're here today, and you'd say, Pastor, I need, I need to drink that, that first cup. You're going to hear us talk about these cups for a long time. Why? Because I believe that God intends for all to have salvation, all to experience freedom, all of us to walk in our purpose, and all of us to make a difference. Because that's what God, His promise so long ago, and the promises that still stand today. But we have to drink that first cup for us to progress to where He's calling us. So I'm going to ask every head to be bowed, every eye to be closed in the room. And if you're here today and you just say, Pastor, I I need to make a decision to follow Christ. 